this is my home and this is where I want to serve. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. She was a Texas lawyer who became a powerful and pioneering force for civil rights and women's equality in state and national politics. This week, we look at the remarkable life of Barbara Jordan. But first, what's your favorite native Texas bird? non-eating edition. So this is the kind of bird that we wouldn't normally eat. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Not like the dove or the, you know, quail or turkey, those kinds of things that you some, I'm pretty sure you could pretty sure you could eat any kind of bird. Yeah, if you're hungry enough, you can eat them all. Well, I'm gonna pick the mockingbird. Um I would especially like to single out the uh, protective mother mockingbird that would dive bomb people that came to visit our house and harvest berries in our backyard. Um, that was an entertaining summer. <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's a great little native bird called the killdeer that has a super awesome name, but it's just kind of a little tiny bird that goes, killdy, killdy. But uh, and in truth, I'm going to say, you know, I actually respect the turkey vulture because I believe in keeping Texas beautiful. They, uh, they're they commonly called buzzards, but... Uh, you know, the thing is, they're actually vultures, and they uh, they eat carrion, and they they keep the roads and highways of Texas clean from... Dead armadillos. <laughs> dead armadillos, <laughs> squirrels, what have you. Yeah. Mostly armadillos. Uh, well, I'm going to go uh, back to my childhood as well. Uh, the Magnificent Roadrunner, the resident of West Texas. Um, and uh, we saw them all the time when... Growing up out and, and going visit my grandmother out in Wink, um, running across the road. And so where I live in the Dallas suburbs is actually being plagued right now by unnormally aggressive coyotes. So I think we need some really smart roadrunners to come out here to thwart their wily plans. Maybe those meep. wily coyotes, those wily coyotes, they need a roadrunner. I think you just need to write a note to the delightful Acme company. <laughs> Yeah, the Acme Company. Stop sending things to Frisco. Barbara Charlene Jordan was born in the Fifth Ward neighborhood of Houston in 1936. Her father, Benjamin, was a Baptist preacher in a local church, and her mother, Arlene, a warehouse clerk, also taught Sunday school. Barbara was the youngest of the three children, and her childhood was obviously centered on church life. She was a good student, attending Houston's segregated Robertson Elementary School, and graduated from Phyllis Wheatley High School in 1952 with honors. Jordan later said that it was a speech she had heard in high school given by Edith S. Sampson, a pioneering African-American woman lawyer and civil rights activist, which inspired her to go to law school. In the 1950s, the premier law school in Texas was the University of Texas in Austin. But it was, of course, segregated at the time. Instead, Jordan enrolled in one of Texas's historically black colleges, Texas Southern University, where she majored in political science and history. She became a national champion debater, defeating opponents from Yale and Brown and drawing with Harvard University. In 1956, she graduated magna cum laude at the top of her class. She was then accepted into Boston University's School of Law, where she graduated in 1959. After graduation, Jordan took a position at the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, teaching political science for a year before returning home to Houston where she opened her own law practice. 
She was one of the few African-American lawyers in the state and definitely one of the few women lawyers. During the first few years, she ran her practice out of her parents' home until she had saved enough money to open an office. She first became involved in politics when she worked to register black voters for the 1960 presidential campaign. She ran for the Texas House of Representatives in 1962 and 1964, but failed to win in either race. After her second loss, Jordan faced a great deal of soul-searching. She later said, I considered abandoning the dream of a public career in Texas and moving to some other section of the country where a black woman candidate was less likely to be considered a novelty. I didn't want to do this. I am a Texan. My roots are in Texas. To leave would be a cop-out. So I stayed. The passage of major civil and voting rights legislation on a federal level in the mid-1960s enabled the creation of new districts within the state of Texas and also enabled African-American Texans to have a say in their political lives for the first time since Reconstruction. In 1966, a new Texas Senate district was created in the Houston area, which was more than 50% black. Jordan ran for and won the seat with 66% of the vote, including 34% of white voters in the district. When she was sworn in to the Texas Senate, Jordan became the first African-American state senator since 1883 and the first black woman to ever serve in that chamber. She was re-elected to a full term for the district in 1968 and a term... Oh with that term to run until 72? Okay. She was re-elected to a full term for the district in 1968, with that term running until 1972. Yeah, and just a note here, all of these elections that we're, we've just talked about, they were all Democratic primaries, um, because at the time in Texas, Republicans ran but never won. Uh, so, uh, you know, Barbara Jordan was the, the 62 and 64 election. It was a Democratic primary that she lost, and then in the uh, 66 election and the 68 election, it was the Democratic primary. She won, and then she won the seat. Uh, so, you know, just to be clear, <laughs> Republican politics at the time was not very strong in Texas, as we've said before in other episodes. During her time in the state Senate, she quickly gained a reputation as a master of detail and as an effective pragmatist. She wasn't confrontational and pushing a radical agenda but favored traditional liberal causes that would benefit all Texans. The one area where she pushed for hard change was in the issue of voting rights, working hard to ensure that the vote remained open to all, not just white Texans. Her intelligence, dignity, talent, and her remarkably powerful speaking ability gained her the respect of her fellow senators, even the ones who opposed her politically. In 1972, near the end of her term, She was unanimously elected President Pro Tem of the State Senate, the first African-American female to serve in that role. For one day, on June 10, 1972, she served as acting governor, the only African-American woman to ever serve as the governor of any state. When she left the State Senate, Jordan spoke warmly of her time there, saying, I have not been treated with any more respect by any group of men anywhere. And that nothing that can happen in my lifetime will equal the memories that I have had of my years of service in this chamber. During her time in the state Senate, Barbara Jordan gained a mentor and then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson, who still kept tabs on his home state. The qualities that impressed the state Senate likewise impressed Johnson, and he continued to advise and sponsor Jordan after he left the White House. 
Johnson saw Jordan as the true heir to his legacy in Texas, as she embraced and fought for the programs that were enacted under his presidency, the Voting and Civil Rights Acts, and the Great Society programs. He saw these programs as his true legacy, and he looked at Jordan as his champion after he was gone. When he died in 1973, Jordan said, He was my political mentor and my friend. I loved him, and I shall miss him. Johnson encouraged Jordan to run for the United States House of Representatives for Texas' 18th district, which covered a large portion of her state Senate district. LBJ helped her to raise money, steering her to key donors. In 1972, she was elected to the House and became the first woman elected in her own right to represent Texas in the House. She and Georgia's Andrew Young, who was also elected in 1972, became the first African Americans to be elected to Congress from the South since the end of Reconstruction. Johnson continued to provide support for her, helping her secure a position on the House Judiciary Committee, a very prominent posting for a freshman representative. In 1974, in just her second year on the committee, she made a powerful televised speech supporting the impeachment of President Richard Nixon. In her speech, she said that the opening words of the Constitution, we the people, originally did not include her. However, she stated, quote, my faith in the Constitution is whole, it is complete, it is total, and I'm not going to sit here and be an idle spectator to the demutation, the subversion, the destruction of the Constitution. In 1975, she was appointed by Carl Albert, then Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, to the Democratic Steering and Policy Committee, and she was influential and she was influential in directing Democratic Party policies for the rest of the decade. During her time in the House, Jordan continued to fight to ensure that voting rights were protected and expanded to include all minorities, even when it earned her ire from politicians in her home state. She also championed bank reform, public protections from predatory business practices, and community engagement. In 1976, Jordan was in serious contention as a possible running mate to Jimmy Carter in his presidential campaign. She was invited to become the first African-American woman to deliver a keynote address at the Democratic National Convention that year. Despite not being considered as a candidate, one delegate did vote for Jordan for president at the convention, again, a first for an African-American woman. Jordan didn't care much for all the firsts that she received as accolades. She said that she did not want to be a symbol, the first black this or the first black that. She said, quote, I am neither a black politician nor a female politician, just a politician, a professional politician. Part of the appeal of her popularity was just that. She wasn't down-home or folksy, nor was she a raging radical. She was clear, precise, exact, but also relatable. She embraced who she was and where she came from. I am a Texan, she wrote. My roots are there. Texan frequently evokes images of conservatism, oil, gas, racism, callousness. In my judgment, the myth should be debunked, or at the least, should include the prevalent strains of reasonableness, compassion, and decency. In, 1970, in 1978, there was a lot of discussion that she should run for the U.S. Senate or possibly governor of Texas, though she herself said she would like to see herself on the Supreme Court. However, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and though she kept this news private, she announced in 1979 that she was retiring from politics and wouldn't seek further re-election. She quietly left Washington and returned to the less demanding and taxing world of education. She accepted the Lyndon Baines Johnson Public Service Professorship at the LBJ School of Public Affairs in the University of Texas at Austin. 
This was a school she'd been denied admission in just 25 years earlier. She taught courses on intergovernment relations, political values, and ethics, and she published her autobiography, Bard and she published her autobiography, Barbara Jordan, a self-portrait in 1979. In the following years, Jordan mostly stayed out of politics, though she did mentor Texas Governor Ann Richards in the late 80s and early 90s. She also was invited to give the keynote to the Democratic National Convention in 1992. In 1994, President Clinton awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and the NAACP presented her with the Spingarn Medal. Over the years, Jordan was honored many times over and was given more than 20 honorary degrees from institutions across the country, including Harvard and Princeton, and was elected to the Texas and National Women's Halls of Fame. Jordan was intensely private and refused to talk about her personal life in public. Her companion and later caregiver of over 20 years was Nancy Earle, an educational psychologist whom Jordan had met on a camping trip in the late 1960s. There's a great deal of speculation about Jordan's sexuality and the nature of her and Earl's relationship, but neither Jordan nor Earl shared anything about what their relationship may or may not be. In an interview for a documentary about Jordan, Bill Clinton said that he wanted to nominate Jordan for the United States Supreme Court, but by the time he had an appointment available, Jordan's health problems prevented him from nomination. In the mid-1990s, Jordan also suffered from leukemia. She died on January 17th, 1996, at the age of 59, due to complications from pneumonia in Austin, Texas. She is buried in the Texas State Cemetery, setting one last first, being the first African-American woman to be buried there. Today, the main terminal at Austin's Bergstrom International Airport is named after Jordan. The airport also features a statue of her by artist Bruce Wolfe. A boulevard in central Austin is named after her. Several schools bear her name in Odessa, Austin, Richmond, Cibolo, Texas, and Houston. The Barbara Jordan Institute for Policy Research was established at her alma mater, Texas Southern University. The Kaiser Family, the Kaiser Family Foundation currently operates the Barbara Jordan Health Policy Scholars, a fellowship designed for people of color who are college juniors, seniors, and recent graduates, giving them a summer experience working in a congressional office. Texas Southern also awards the Barbara Jordan Public-Private Leadership Award every year since 2015. On April 24, 2009, a statue of Barbara Jordan was unveiled at the University of Texas at Austin, where Jordan taught at the time of her death. The Barbara Jordan statue campaign was paid for by a student fee increase approved by the University of Texas Board of Regents. The effort was originally spearheaded by the 2002 and 2003 TAPI class of the Texas Orange Jackets, which is the oldest women's organization at the university. I remember when Barbara Jordan died. Uh, we were in college, and I remember there was a lot of news about her when, when she died in 96 when, about her death. And uh, I, I remember it was a pretty big deal in the state for, um, for people looking back and remembering her and the incredible contributions she gave. Um, yeah. You were in college. I'm a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I remember Barbara Jordan um, just as a kid growing up in the Houston area. Um, you know, her being a a child of of Houston, um, mm-hmm. she was a prominent figure in in local news. You know, all the time, uh, even though she wasn't actively in politics during the '80s, um, she was still around. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, a really remarkable lady. 
that uh, accomplished a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever uh, – Wikipedia actually has that speech. Um, I think they have a link to the – where you can see video of that speech that she gave uh, – arguing for impeachment and it is it was ranked uh the number 16 greatest speeches of the 20th century by several people uh, at least in the united states so i mean it's a speech that's right up there uh with yeah i mean it's it's in the same range as the uh as kennedy's speeches and uh fdr speeches so I mean, that's pretty pretty high ground, and I, I think uh, I read somewhere else that the you know people consider it one of the you know top five speeches ever given in Congress. So it's pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, it's very very clear and reasoned, and and I can you know, I've I can remember growing up and and seeing her on the news and things and and seeing her speak, and she had a very distinctive way of speaking, a very powerful like very precise direct way of speaking in it and it really was just i mean it's hard to describe but it's it's not quite clipped but it's just like very exact and precise and it got right to the point of things so and she put up with a lot i mean she dealt with a whole lot of stuff in her life of having to go through it but you know the interesting thing is there's things i read that you know she when she got to the senate she very quickly won over many of the all of the senators there uh, because she would she would joke around with the guys. It was a boys' room, you know, it was a boys' locker room, and she would she would take you know the insults, but she'd throw them back, and you know she would just you know she wasn't confrontational, but she was just tough and she just stood her ground, and that was one of the you know best things that she could do at the time. Well, I think she just became this. She was just a sort of a a, a one of a kind iconic, you know, mm-hmm. politician that that everybody looked up to, and and really, just a, a amazing mind, and just got so much accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when she said she was going to do something, she did it. You know, when when there was when she was a state senator, and there was the the oyster fisherman of of the Houston Bay area needed, you know, some legislation, she went and took care of it, you know, and if, if, uh, the, the, you know, they needed something for the fifth ward, she went and took care of it. You know, those were the, those were the things that she promised her constituents. She would do things for them and she went and did them and that was it. So pretty, pretty great stuff. Yeah. Wonderful lady. Yeah. I love what she said about being a Texan. Yeah. 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 That was obviously uh it, it's very on brand for us but uh it, it's it's very very powerful statement by her you know as i like she made the point she was like i could go other places and probably be more successful but this is my home and this is where i want to serve that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com we'd love to hear from you so like and share us on facebook follow the show on twitter at texas podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback You can find us and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you, too, can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.